Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. So in Australia, they confiscated firearms. Now Australia is the country that has been on lockdown the longest out of any country on this planet. And their citizens are upset. They're trying to come out. But you know what? They're saying, no, stay inside. You can't even take out your trash. Also, FGC9 creator Jay Stark passes away after a police raid. Very suspicious. But you know what? Jay Stark had a lot to say about the FGC9 and also some other things. We're going to hear about that right now. Listen to Jay Stark. So as you probably might know, a 3D printed pistol was shown to the world in 2013 by an entity called Defense Distributed. It's basically a company that was founded by Cody Wilson an American from Texas who was studying for a law degree. I saw this and I was intrigued. I was living in a country, I'm still living in a country where it's even impossible for you to acquire firearms. And so if I cannot buy it through legal or illegal way, I need to build it myself. And so this Liberator pistol piqued my interest. And then at one point, I found out about how 3D printers became increasingly more cheap. And I bought my first 3D printer. And at the same time, Defense Distributed, after they released this Liberator pistol, ran some sort of web page where you were able to download various files for various gun designs, and also 3D printed gun designs. When I looked at the, at the files, I saw that everything was incomplete. And the parts that were modeled and the technical data that was available there was in these files was absolutely shoddily modeled. It was absolutely not true to the real world. 
So it would be basically useless to try to use those spells to produce any farm. What I did then is I wanted to start a community that was enthusiastic about this topic as, as much as me. And so I posted Discord invite links into the comment sections of each of those various files on that web page. The idea was to build a community. So what I wanted is an effective farm, a firearm which I'm able to defend myself against any assailants, which I can be offensive with if there's any tyrant that wants to dictate this tyrannical world upon me. And so I was able to start that community. I invited everyone. And my goal was to, to build this community who was enthusiastic about this topic as, as much as me. I had no technical background. Like I didn't study any engineering. I never used a 3D printer. And so from that moment on, I needed to teach myself how to use CAD software. What I did was I also went on to a recruiting hunt. We ended up with a core group of a couple dozen people who had all sorts of knowledge. And so me and Ivan basically then had the goal of making an AR-15 CAD assembly happen. So we worked day and night, day and night, day and night. So you said before you had no technical expertise. You didn't know how to do this beforehand. How did you then teach yourself to use the 3D printed software? The, how did you get the printer? You eventually ended up making your own like lower for the rifle. How did you do all that? The most useful tool for this in general was the internet. The internet enabled me to do all this. I was able to learn all the information that I needed through YouTube, through Wikipedia, through various forums, and through chatting with other enthusiasts. There's one thing that you really have to take in mind here motivation. All this information is available out there, but why isn't everybody doing it? Because they don't have the motivation to do all that. I have a fierce motivation to do all that because of the reasons that I told you already. Okay, so let's go back. To all right, so we come back. I'm going to get into Jay Stark. I want to talk about, you know, what exactly he's talking about and who this person is. A lot of people have not heard of this guy. Uh, he has a, you know, a multitude, a, a bunch of friends that have gotten together all around the world, all around the globe, and they've shared information. They've created a firearm, a 3D printed firearm, and it works great. It's the FGC-9. And so, you know, under suspicious circumstances, somehow his police police raided his home, and he was, he, he's dead now. He's passed away, so not sure about what happened, if it's self-inflicted or if it was done by uh, law enforcement. And, but, you know, we'll talk about that when we come back. I do want to talk about uh, Art Arstavedo, the former police chief of Austin Police Department, former police chief of the Houston Police Department, and the police chief of the Miami Police Department currently is now being suspended. He's been suspended, and he has been fired. So he's now the former police chief of the Miami Police Department. So, <laughs> so Chief Art Arstavedo... Uh, you know, man, I tell you, you know, we we, we had issues here in, in 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 Austin, but they loved him, so they didn't want to bring it up. He moved on to Houston, well, a few problems there in Houston. They didn't want to bring it up, so he ended up moving in my moving to Miami, and everything came out in Florida. It's like ah, this guy's not fit, you know, to run a a police department, and now he's been terminated. Now, why it is clear that uh, Cheetah Arasvedo has the qualifications and the experience to be an effective chief of police, it is also obvious that his personality and leadership style are incompatible with the structure of, of the city of uh, Miami, according to Suarez, uh, who is the 
the city manager for the, I'm sorry, the mayor of Austin. I'm sorry, mayor of Miami. Sorry about that. And so he was suspended, then fired. And so here's a, a statement here that says that the relationship between the chief and the organization has become untenable and needed to be resolved promptly. Uh, in particular, the relationship between the chief and the police department he leads, as well as with the community, has deteriorated beyond repair. Relationships between employers and employees come down to fit and leadership style. And unfortunately, Chief Otto Acevedo is not the right fit for that organization. It is now time, you know, for everyone to move on their separate ways, you know. And so he's been terminated. And what do you, what do you think about that, Zach? Good riddance. <laughs> I know, boy. Uh, you know, he's 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 our, our nemesis. You know, in the Second Amendment community. Yeah, he was not great for Austin. <laughs> not great at all. No, no, no. no. Uh, so he was the first Hispanic to lead the Houston Police Department, which help uh, with really helps him understand the complex issues in the Hispanic community, and will help make a smooth transition to the Magic City, uh, according to what someone said when he first got to. Miami, uh, he, you know he was making three hundred fifteen thousand dollars a year. Wow, that's a good living right yeah. there. Um, yeah, yeah, which is up from two hundred ninety five thousand to Houston. Oh yeah, I, yeah. And then uh, so the Miami Police Chief Otto Acevedo earned two hundred thirty thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. Before working with the Houston Police Department, Otto Acevedo led the Austin Police Department. How much did he make in Austin? Uh, you know, you know, I don't remember. A lot. I'm yeah, sure. he made a lot. All right, yeah. We come back from the break. We're gonna. We got a lot of news to cover today, a lot to talk about. I do want to talk about the FGC9 creator by Jay Stark. I want to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, a lot of stuff going on around the world. We're going to travel around the world for you. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Coley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back, and we're talking about news all around the world here. We're going to go to Germany. We're going to go a lot of different places. But you know what? I'm going to start right here in Austin, Texas. All right, so in, over in Austin, a family of a Houston Tillerson University student killed in a shooting at her apartment complex. Now, we hear these stories all the time. A college student, you know, uh, goes home. Maybe there's a neighbor in the ap- apartment complex that has a, a thing for this student, you know, likes this student, follows this person, you know, follows them around, you know, goes to where they work, you know, and, you know, is kind of stalking them and slips some notes and stuff like that. And then, you know, they take it a step further and end up kidnapping this person and killing them. We hear these stories all the time. If you have not, you're not paying attention because we talked about it. All right. So the family of a Houston Tillerson University student killed in a shooting at her apartment is now suing her complex management claiming that they failed to help her move when the suspect came to her unit and threatened her. Natalie Monette Cox, 21, was found dead on March 31st at the Colonial Grand at Canyon Point Apartments. Police had previously responded to her unit on March 24th when she reported that a man she had recently dated showed up with a gun and threatened to shoot her door open. Now, according to the lawsuit... After the incident, Cox and her roommate sent written notice to the assistant property manager of the complex about what had happened and that night and shared her police report information. Now, the next day, both went to the property's office to again notify them of the incident. Now, there they were informed they would have to pay an application fee, a new security deposit, a new administrative fee, and two months' rent for failure to provide 60 days' notice of their move-out date. The lawsuit claims that since they were unable to afford the cost of moving out, they were forced to remain in their unit. Natalie was shot and killed inside of her apartment despite multiple requests that she and her roommate be allowed to safely relocate without having to bear the exorbitant and unreasonable costs required by the defendant. Mid-American Apartment Communities Incorporated, the suit states, defendant Mid-America refused to allow Natalie and her roommate to relocate without imposing further penalties for terminating their lease agreement early. Even in the face of threatening serious bodily injury or death, they took place that took place at the same apartment unit. You know, you, you're in a contract, you know, and we talk. We actually talked about this. We talk about this in the LTC class, life to carry handgun course. You know, you're in a contract. You know, and the way thing, and I'm not an attorney, I cannot give you legal advice, but in that contract, you know, you're bound by those four corners when you sign that contract. And if you want to move, you want to move early, you want to, you know, any of that stuff, they have rules in that contract that you signed. And so I think it's, it's, this is going to be a very hard lawsuit for the family to fight. And then what guarantees 
them being safe when they move to a different apartment in the same complex? You know, what makes you think that that person is still not going to, you know, follow you and find out where you are? You know, you have to take your own personal protection in your own hands and defend yourself. You know, you got to take steps to protect yourself. Police can't save you. They're not going to. In Austin, they're not they're not coming. You you know, in, in a lot of cases, you have to dial 311 to talk to someone. And in a lot of cases, they're not responding to those calls anymore because you've defunded the police. <laughs> so, you know, you have it's up to you. If you think someone's coming to save you, they're not. So you got to take your own personal your your own personal safety in your own hands. And you know, I said that to say this. Uh the FBI data shows that, you know, armed citizens killed more armed criminals than than the police in 2020. And a lot of people don't realize that. You know, uh, you know, in 2020, people decided, you know, the country's shutting down. I need to buy a gun. They defended themselves. You know, and everyone needs to do that, you know, and including, you know, college students. The FBI Uniform Crime Report of 2020 indicates that armed private citizens killed more criminals during the commission of a felony last year than were killed by police. So when they show you these reports that crime is increasing or homicides have gone up, ask this question. And I asked the reporters this also. You're saying that homicides are have increased in 2020. Well, and also in 2021. Out of those homicides that you're claiming that have increased in 2020 and 2021, how many of those were justified homicides? How many of those were citizens who shot and killed someone who was trying to kill them? And they were justified. Or trying to rob them, and they were justified. Trying to rape them, and they were justified. So... The FBI Uniform Crime Report of 2020 indicates that armed private citizens killed more criminals during the commission of a felony last year than were killed by police. I want to say that again. <laughs> and the Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms says the data clearly underscores the continuing need for American gun ownership. We look at tables 14 and 15 in the FBI's new report here that apply to justifiable homicides by law enforcement and private citizens, respectfully. Noted that, you know, last year, according to the data, armed citizens killed 343 criminals during the commission of a felony while police fatally shot 298 felons. Now, the, if the FBI data published in their re crime report for 2020 is accurate, it is ample evidence that the individual right to keep and bear arms for personal defense is as important as it is it was when the Second Amendment was adopted as a cornerstone of the Bill of Rights. Now, the use of deadly force is not something anybody wants, you know, but neither is being injured or killed by some thug doing a violent criminal attack. Self-defense may be the oldest natural right. And every time we hear some politician, public official or gun control extremist call for a citizens disarmament, we have to wonder which side they're on. It certainly can't be on the side of public safety. Gun. Ugh fanatics or whoever who enjoy their own, you know, private security while promoting restrictive laws that take guns out of the hands of law-abiding citizens are world-class hypocrites. Now, the same people who want to disarm honest citizens are typically those who support policies that are soft on criminals. They haven't simply lost perspective of their abandoned common sense. Yeah. So, you know, just look at the data. And all I'm saying is this. Out of all those, you know, you look at the report, and you say, okay, if 
crime is up or, you know, homicides are up. Let's stick with that. Homicides are up out of those homicides, which how many of those were justified homicides? And no one wants to answer that question. Then they start going to something else when you tell them that. And I get that question a lot from reporters. They said, okay, you know, well, you know, Michael, homicides are increasing. They've increased in 2020. So what do you say about that? And I say, well, let me ask you this. You know, are those homicides in 2020 that you say they're increased? How many of those were justified homicides? What do you say about that? And then they have nothing to say. Now, then they want to change the subject. So you got to listen, you know, listen to what people are, you know, are asking you and how they're framing that question and give it right back to them. That's how you do it. That's how I fight that. Stick to the script. Tick, stick to the talking points. Don't change your talking points. I never change my talking points. I stick to exactly. I say the same thing. I regurgitate the same thing over and over and over. All right, so um, what do you say about that, Zach? And I've been ranting there. Yeah, would you say 343 <laughs> of those homicides were justified, right? Yes. And then police shot 298. How many of those were justified? That's what you, that's what you, <laughs> that's, I know where you're going with that. <laughs> How many of those were justified? Uh-huh. So that's a chunk of them right there. That's a big chunk. That's right. Big yeah, because he- what are you going to do? You're going to call the police when you're getting robbed? They're not coming. Yeah, they're going to ask you, hey. So is the person still there right they still now? still there? Yeah, uh, they're right there right now. Like, yes. Uh, how long are they going to be there for? Are yeah. they going to be there for eight minutes? The time it's going to take we think, for us to get there. We think by the time our, we send our officers out there, they're going to be gone. So we're not sending <laughs> officers right now. So you might want to take care of it yourself. You know, and, and, and just to remind you, you know, you as citizens, you know, if someone's committing aggravated kidnapping, murder, sexual assault, aggravated sexual assault, robbery, aggravated robbery, you can use force or deadly force to stop them to protect yourself. You know, so just keep that in mind. If someone's trying to enter unlawfully or remove you unlawfully from your home, your vehicle, your place of business, you can use force or deadly force to stop them. It is up to you to protect yourself. It's not up for law enforcement. It's not up to them. And it was a Supreme Court case that showed it is not their responsibility to protect you. Police have no duty to protect you, only a general duty to enforce the law. Supreme Court presidents. So... There you have it. There you have it. It's up to you. And it happens all the time all around the country. And I, I feel sorry for, you know, families uh, who are suffering because they've lost a loved one. You know, but you got to you got you got to stand up and, you know, stop being sheep at some point and say, you know what? You know, I'm going to, you know, do this myself. And that's what that's kind of what I did for my family. You know, I'm going to do this myself. I need to learn what all the laws are. I need to learn how to be proficient with a firearm. And then I taught my family members, you know, the laws, how to be proficient. Uh, you know, we talked about security. We talked about, you know, cameras and security systems and dogs. You know, that's all that stuff plays into your personal safety, you know, and and you use all that in your toolbox to defend yourself if something was to happen. And you have to weigh that. You know, is private, is, you know, someone breaking into your car? Is that something that you, you know, do you want to shoot someone over something like that? Weigh that. Is that really worth it? Is property, that property really worth it for you? Ask yourself that. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Folks, this is Doug Man Jones. <laughs> and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Talk 13-7, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. And all right, so we're, we're talking about news. I want to talk about all the news that's happened this week, you know, because we don't get a chance to cover most of this stuff. We actually run out of time, usually. And there's a lot of things that are really important that I want you to be aware of. Uh, there's a, a case where some police officers and paramedics are involved in a young man, Elijah McClain's death. He's charged with, and they're charged with homicide. So let's talk about this a little bit. So the police officers and paramedics who stopped a 23-year-old Elijah McClain administered a fatal dose of ketamine to the unarmed uh, young man are being charged with a homicide more than two years after his death. A grand jury indicted three Aurora, Colorado police officers and two paramedics on a total of 32 counts Wednesday afternoon in a rare move to, to hold them accountable for acts while on duty. Every defendant in facing one count of criminally negligent homicide and a count of manslaughter, according to the Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser, while assault charges vary among those involved in McLean's death. On, uh, their goal basically is to seek justice for Elijah and his family and friends and for the state. Now, on August 24th of 2019, McLean was walking home from work wearing a ski mask. Uh, he wore to keep himself warm because he was anemic. And after a resident called police because McLean looked suspicious, Aurora, Poli- Aurora police, that is, uh, police officers Nathan Woodard and Randy Rodima and Jason Rosenblatt pulled up and told the young black man to stop. You know, but McLean kept walking because he had headphones on at the time on the verbal command. And according to the body camera footage, uh, he it looked like he didn't hear uh, what they were saying. So the cops then accused him of resisting, tackled him to the ground, and began to handcuff him. At one point, they even placed him in a chokehold, a maneuver now banned by most police departments after the 2014 death of Eric Garner in New York. And McLean fainted and vomited during the arrest. 
Now, according to McLean, he said he was, you know, he said, I'm, I was just going home, um, is what he said. McCain, he, he was heard saying this on the body camera footage during the struggle. And he said, I'm just different. I'm just different. That's all. That's all I was, I was doing. I, I, he said, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And, you know, this young man, he, he was a different young man. He was um, slightly different. And so, and he just, you know, did, you know, what some people would call maybe some things that are strange to you, but it was, you know, he did it for a reason to him. So it was just different from other people. Paramedics were called to the scene of McLean's arrest by police after they determined he was suffering from excited delirium, a controversial state of agitation often diagnosed by cops or police officers, which later appeared on the young man's death certificate. Now, the paramedics then injected McLean with ketamine, which is often used as an asthmatic treatment. Now, uh, McLean went into cardiac arrest as they transported him to the hospital and was declared brain dead on August 27th. He was taken off life support three days later. And on top of the homicide charge, two of the police officers who arrested McLean uh, also faced an additional charge of second-degree assault and intent of caused bodily injury and one count each of a crime of violence related to the assault charge. And both paramedics who later arrived on the scene uh, even faced second-degree assault with intent to cause bodily injury, second-degree assault for recklessly causing bodily injury by means of deadly weapon ketamine, second-degree assault for a purpose other than lawful medical treatment, and one count of crime violence. Their indictment comes just over two years after McLean's death, which combined with the deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and others, have helped usher in a new era of scrutiny and accountability in American policing. Now, it kind of seems like this is like a little excessive to me. You know, yeah, injecting him with ketamine. Yeah, both, both. You know, injecting him with ketamine, and then the, also the charges. You know, both of this. I, I think all of it's like a little excessive. That's forced injection right yeah. there. Yeah, De definitely, that is definitely, messed up. Definitely negligent. What if you, you know, what if you don't want to do drugs, right? Right. Because that's a powerful drug. A lot of people do it to trip out. And some people do it therapeutically, but mm. that's not something to be just trifled with because somebody is. You don't know if they're. You don't know if they're allergic to it. Or yeah. Not, or mm -hmm. what the drugs they're actually allergic to. Mm -hmm. and, what if he's a recovering ketamine addict or something? And what if he's taking other medications that it doesn't yep. mix well with? You don't know. Mm -hmm. You don't know what other drugs this guy's on, or what if he's taking any other medication and you mix that with that. You don't know what the the effects are. Yeah, that is not good. Mm. Wow. So in July, an officer was charged with several crimes, including assault and, and official misconduct for a pistol whipping and choking an unarmed man in August 2020. Pistol whipping. Pistol whipping. In August 2020, Aurora officers forced an, a family of uh, young girls and their older relative out of a vehicle at gunpoint and handcuffed them uh, after mistaking their van for a stolen vehicle. How do you mistake a stolen vehicle? They got plates for that right just run them <laughs> run the plate license tag you know license number you know license tag the vin number you know right i don't know you know that's you know that's that's why you know i you know when you, you you're gonna run into officers or police officers that uh that are dead set on escalating situations you're gonna run into police officers that are that want to be the alpha dog that are the aggressor you're gonna run into people that shouldn't be in the job that they're in they're just bad at what, you know, they shouldn't, they, that job does not fit them. You know, they're not responsible enough to handle that position. 
You're going to run into people that are like that. And so you have to use conflict resolution to get out of that situation, you know, so it doesn't escalate to the next level. And unfortunately, we have to do that. Um, You're never going to win your case on the side of the road, right? No, no, not at all. You, 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 you'll die. You'll die on the side of the road or go to jail. Uh, so, yeah, that's just, yeah, you, I, I, I try to, you know, get people to understand that. Um, you're just not going to, you're not going to win a case on the side of the road. Beat them in court. Take them to court. Take them to court and get rich, right? <laughs> That's right. Under your tax dollars. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, an elementary school's teacher kept pot edibles in the, in, in the reward box, in the student's reward box. You know what? And, and I, I threw this in there because, you know, they're always cute. They're always cute, pretty teachers. You know, you got to look at her picture. I don't know if you see that story. But take a look at that story. An elementary school teacher kept pot edibles in a student reward box. And, you know, the look on her face was like, well, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> oh, this blonde teacher, right? Yeah, yeah. She, they're, always really, they're always really cute teachers that do these weird – that are, you know, having sex with, with a student, you know, or, you know, doing these weird, really weird things. They're always really cute. It's like, wow, you know, what's going on in your life, you know, that is self-esteem, maybe low self-esteem. Is that, Probably. Is that what it is? So so a South Carolina elementary school teacher is out of a job after a student pulled out two packs of marijuana edibles from the in-class reward box. And deputies and district officials said Victoria Ferris Weiss, a 27-year-old teacher at Rocky Creek Elementary School in Lexington, uh, surrendered <laughs> to law enforcement You know, after they found this. It's crazy. <laughs> it's uh someone said like so the student told because it didn't say how it ended up with the police finding out other than the fact that it said sour patch kids <laughs> oh man it's just that's just a funny story to me you know edibles you know she just couldn't wait i just she, <laughs> what well, was you know, she thinking well you know your kids are so freaking bad you know she's like look i need something to relax me because i have to deal with your rotten children all day you know mm-hmm. <laughs> you're probably a wild kid yourself zach you're probably hyper Oh me? No, I was an angel. No, you are. You had yeah. to be. I know you were hyper. You were, you had to be a hyper kid. I've got some stories. Do you? Okay. I don't think I could say them on air though. Well, edit the stories. <laughs> Come on, edit. Make it a uh, G G rated. Can't do G rated. Um, let's just say that one time. Oh boy, I'm scared. Um, they had to wheel a gurney in and rush a guy to the er <laughs> what, did class. what did you do what did you do what did you you're probably you probably smiled the entire time no i wasn't even there for it you weren't there no <laughs> but you did something that caused him to be wheeled out uh allegedly <laughs> <laughs> you're like i don't want to talk about this allegedly that can still come back and haunt me because <laughs> he's probably still twitching right now <laughs> from it what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh man i'm telling you i can see you i can see you being that right child i'm telling you now because you had that little innocent look about you that little smile you know i was like yeah you did some stuff <laughs> you definitely did some i stuff. may have <laughs> <laughs> you definitely did something i'm telling you right now oh man it's crazy but i was so good with the principal you know i don't even think i got suspended no nope oh man lost my car privileges for the weekend Card? When I was back at car. 
driving. Oh, so you're in, it wasn't grade school. This is no, like high this school. Was senior year of high school. Oh, yeah. Your parents are pretty strict, too, when they hand down the justice, the hands of justice. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, especially your mom. Who's, who's more strict, your mom or your dad? Um, jeez. Oh, I mean, they were both. Really? Both the same? They both had that no, iron fist. No, no. Which one? Which? Okay. If you had a problem, you had an issue, who would you go to? Would you go to your dad? Would I go, go to, to, to your talk mom? about it or tell them? To tell? Any... I would never tell them. It's the school that called them and told okay, them. Okay, okay. Let me ask this this way. Okay. They so, would, the school would give me notes to bring you, to my parents to show them, and I just wouldn't even show them. If you needed to get out of a situation and you want, you had to take it to one of your parents to get out of that situation, who would you take it to? Would it be your mother or your father? Oh. Mm. I don't know. It Me, I would take. It, I would take it to my dad. I'm telling you, I would take it to my dad. He's like, yeah, whatever. You know, he's probably drunk half the time, so he'll just sign off on whatever <laughs> it is. You know, my my mother. Oh no, no. If I was in the wrong, oh no, she would get me. My mother would come to the school and beat me at school. I'm telling you, <laughs> in front right? Of everybody. In front of everybody. So I, you know, you. Oh no, my mother didn't play. If I was wrong, oh she would. Yeah, she would discipline me immediately. You know, and then you know, if the teacher was wrong. You know, there are situations where I've had. The administration, you know, do something to me and she I didn't see this, but I know she went to the school and she had a talk with them about, you know, what they did or whatever. So my mother was very stern and very protective of me and then also disciplined me in in, in the same breath, you know, both ways. So if I was wrong, she came after me. If they're wrong, I know she went there. I'm not sure what she did because she would never let me see, but I know she did something, you know, and, and had a little talk with them. She's got to spank you into shape. Oh, oh, yeah, definitely. And it, it, you know, beatings. I support. Yeah, I support. I help parents in the grocery store. Kids are running in the grocery store. They're running from the parents. Oh yeah, I'll trip a kid in a minute. Got him. <laughs> That's right. Got got. He's over here. He's all yours now. He, yeah, he's right here. I don't. I don't know what happened, but he's down here. I'm. I'm not sure, but come get him. You know. That's right. I help the parents out always, twenty four seven. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hi, this is Stephen Wolford, the Barefoot Defender. I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. That's right. You're traveling down the interstate right now. You're getting ready to jump out of your car and run to the store. You know what you should do? Grab your phone and say, hey, Siri, turn on Talk 1370. That's right. Listen to Come and Talk It from your cell phone. That's right. And listen to us tell you and update you on the news. I want to go to, let's see, what are we going to talk about? Let's talk about... Let's talk about being polite to service workers, you know, employees that work at restaurants and, you know, the service industry. 
you know, I would never, ever, ever disrespect someone who prepares my food. Let me tell you. Yeah, they go in the back now, where your food have is. Have you ever watched the movie, the movie Waiting? <laughs> have you seen that movie, Waiting? Oh, of course. Okay, I would never, ever disrespect someone who prepares my food. And nope. let me tell you, I tip and I tip well. You know, I'm gonna, you know, I'm tipping like I, I think I tip like thirty, forty percent. <laughs> you know, because I want, you know, when I come back, I want to be treated with, you know. Such respect because I'm I'm very demanding when it comes to you know the food not not what I order, but um just how I order because I never order from the menu. I'm like, hey, well, can you add this and take this and do this and do that? You know, and when it comes, if even if they get it wrong, I'd never complain about it. You know, if even if it wasn't what I want, I'll just say, ah, I'll say to myself that wasn't what I wanted, but I'll go ahead and eat it. You know, I'm not gonna send anything back to the kitchen. I don't believe in doing that. I just don't like doing that. I don't want to, you know, I, I just have this thing about, you know, someone putting something in my food or being upset with me. So, mm-hmm. you know, but I, and I always tip, and if it, if, if I feel that the service is really bad, I've been ignored, I will tip well, and I will write a nice little nasty note on the receipt. I will do that after the fact. <laughs> nice, long, really, really nasty note. That I'm famous for that. And I tip really well when I write that note. Oh, that's uh, very nice of you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's go. Let's talk about you know, being you know how people treat our service industry. So a video of conflict that happened inside in an Austin Vietnamese restaurant is garnering tens of thousands of views on social media and sparking conversation about hate against Asian Americans and how to stop it. You know, and it really is not just Asian Americans. Just people are just rude and just nasty. I don't know what was it was this week. I don't know if it was how the stars were aligned. I'm not an astronomical person, you know, but something was going on this past week where people were just mean and nasty. You know, I answered like I answered like 50 phone calls a day and I answered the phone and I'm like, hey, you know, thank you for holding. How can I help you? You know, we're all cheery over there and people will just come on the phone. They're just so nasty. You know, I'm trying to get in touch with DPS and I, and I need this. And I, and I was like, oh, my God. OK, well, hold slow down. Calm down. You know. Let me try to help you and you know, figure out what you need and get you in the right direction or get you in contact with the right person. You know, you try to help people as best you can. And people just, they want to, you know, come off with this just very nasty attitude. So Whitney Spence, you know, posted this uh, a video on TikTok after witnessing the an incident last week. And, and you know, and, and tell him it was a female customer who seems, you know, she was really agitated with the staff. It was at a Vietnamese restaurant. You know, and at one point she's saying, you know, speak English so that uh, they can take your order. You know, and Spence says it happened when she was having lunch with one of her bridesmaids last week. They were one of her favorite restaurants at the Chinatown Center. This is on, you know, the Chinatown Center in North Austin on Lamar. You know, I I like going there, you know, at least once a week. I love that place. Nice food. Uh, People are really nice. It's It's full Saigon when the waiter approached a woman at the table next to them. Then she started just yelling. She said, do you, you know, effing, you know, do your effing job. You know, I need you to stand in front of me. You know, she was really rude. But you know what? Take a listen to this video. Right. You're being rude right now. Yeah, because they still want to go. They I want to be gone, but she said to go and he didn't get the order. Okay, you're spilling stuff everywhere now. You know what? I spill it on you. Do it. Excuse you. Do it. No, I'm sorry. 
everybody. You don't need to insult people. You were the one who decided, your friend decided to leave in. You remember that? Oh, yeah, I do because she was standing up for people because he didn't do anything wrong. Because he didn't do the job. Okay, you know what? Okay, I will pay for your food for you to get the fuck out. God. You don't need to talk to her like that either. Should I call the police? Like, I think that would be helpful. I think it's so Maybe you should get a hamburger next time. Hey, you should leave. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> you know, I love the the uh, the customer. You know, catcalling a little bit. You know, and you know what? It's it's okay, people, to tell people to leave. You know, you don't have to serve everyone. You know, you know, give them their money back and say leave. And if they refuse to leave, that becomes criminal trespass. You know, criminal trespass is a class B misdemeanor. If they're carrying a firearm, that's a class A misdemeanor. They can go to jail up to one year for, you know, refusing to leave. So it's, it's okay to tell people to leave. You don't have to serve everyone. I wouldn't stand and argue with someone. And I'll tell them straight up, you know, I'm not arguing with you. I'm not going to argue with you. So if you're looking for someone to argue with, you know, go somewhere else and just leave. You know, because I'm just not dealing with it. I don't want your negative energy. I don't want that negative attitude around me. I don't want that aura. You know, go somewhere else and project that on some, you know, someone else. It's, it's not worth it for me to stand here and just argue with you. I can either help you solve your problem, you know, whatever the issue is, you know, but I'm not going to argue with you. It's just insane to me, you know, but I love that the customer, you know, you know, just, you know, catcalling her a little bit. And then that shirt. What was on that shirt again? Not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. Well, she was Satan. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, talk about not today, Satan. She's talking about herself. That's a mess- subliminal message to herself. She was literally Satan, the devil in <laughs> reincarnated. I'm telling you, I just don't get people. You know, just uh, insane. All right, let's, uh, let's go to Houston, Texas. I mean, law enforcement have to deal with a lot. The Houston Police Department has released a body cam footage of the shooting where Officer William Bell Jeffrey was killed and Sergeant Michael Vance was injured over in Houston, Texas. Take a look at this video right here. Officers got to the home. Ledette began shooting. Investigators say he was using an illegal converter switch that turned semi-automatic weapons into fully automatic weapons. Officer Jeffrey and Sergeant Vance were hit almost immediately. The next few minutes show the chaotic scenes as officers work to take down Ledette and rescue the two wounded officers. Investigators say... In All right, so yeah, that's, you know, man, let me tell you. That happened like 7.30 a.m. in the morning. Uh, so 7.30 a.m., multiple officers arrived at an apartment complex, and they, you know, they were serving a felony arrest warrant on a person named Ledette. And so you know, it just went the wrong way. And this guy had modified a firearm and, you know, went to town. You know, it shows, you know, it shows some of the difficult situations that law enforcement have put in sometimes. I wish they would, you know, wait and catch this person while they're, you know, they happen to leave the house and they're going from the front door to the vehicle you know, run up on them that way, you know, to catch them off guard, or while they're getting out of their car, going into a store or something like that, you know, inside the home, that seems to be kind of dangerous when, you know, to 
knock on a person's door and expect them to come out of the door and have a warrant, a felony warrant for their arrest, expect them to come out peacefully. It seems, you know, that's a bad spot. It's a I, recipe for disaster right there. It really is. You know, it's just, I, I would be really creative, you know, in doing it. You know, give them like a, a give them a, a lot, they buy a lottery ticket, and then you tell them they're the winner. They go clearing to, house, right? Yeah, they go to, clearing. yeah, they go to collect their prize, and then you arrest them that way. You got to be you creative. You got to get them out of the house. Yeah, yeah, got to be creative with this kind of stuff. You know, they you know, people love to show up, you know, because they think they want a prize. Hey, you want a brand new TV. Come on and collect your TV. They walk in. Yeah, yeah, because you got to play on people's greed, you know. <laughs> be be creative and smart about it. That's what I would do. Yeah, your house is your castle. Right? Yeah, you, you you knock on someone's door, they're going to defend themselves. You don't know what mindset they're in and where they are or how they woke up. You know, I would be very creative with it. Ah, you know what? You know, here's a... Man, got a you, gas leak. Better come out. Yeah. Or you, hey, you want a trip to Hawaii? Uh, come claim your prize. <laughs> Hawaii prison. <laughs> you got to be smart with that stuff, you know. So, you know, so one of these days, you know, they'll, you know, I think I know one police department in Florida did that, you know, and it worked really well. And I think they, they should do that a little more often. I know one time a person came into the gun store to, to buy a firearm and, uh, they got delayed. And so we, you know, say, hey, you got to come back, you know, either come back in three days at the three, at the third business day, we can transfer the firearm to you. And so unless we call you back sooner, because the, the transaction was delayed. So we call them up and say, okay, you're, you're good. You can come in and pick up the firearm. He's like, um, so you're saying I can pick up the firearm? Yeah. So it's okay for me to come in and pick up the gun? Yeah, you can come in and pick up the gun. So when I come in, I'll get the gun, right? Yes, when you come in, you'll get the gun. You know, they're like, Paranoid, he thought that when they came in, they, they were gonna be arrested. Gonna be or something. A trap. Yeah, like oh, some man. kind of trap or something. It's like, no, you know, yeah, we told you you can come in. Trust me, if you did something wrong, you know, we wouldn't call you. We don't call you to come to the gun store. I don't want that happening in the gun store. What would happen is the ATF would take, they'll go to your house, and they'll pick you up at home. <laughs> so I wouldn't, I wouldn't bring you to the gun store and let the police arrest you. That's not how I do business. I don't do it that way. All right, this is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace. This is Maj Touré. You're listening to Come and Talk at Radio with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, let's, just, let's jump over to Louisiana. Yeah, Cajun country. Let's talk about that. So, a Louisiana Wendy's employee has been accused of threatening a customer with, with a gun. So, Keith Johnson Jr., 21, is allegedly, allegedly he, uh, he is threatening the customer with a gun doing a shift at a Wendy's fast food restaurant on the main Louisiana State University LSU campus on Saturday night. LSU. What's going on over at LSU? What are they putting in the water? Maybe you should have gone to, uh, what's the name of that uh, chicken place Louisiana has? Pop, Pop, Raisin Cane? I thought it was Popeyes. You like, you like, you like Raisin Cane? Love that chicken for Popeyes. I like Popeyes. That's right. Uh, well, I like their. I, you know what? I never uh, tried raising. I never tried raising cane though. Is it bone in? No. Nope. Oh, see, that's why I don't. I don't like that fake stuff. 
That's hashtag fake. That's hashtag fake chicken. Hashtag, that's real. That's hashtag chicken tenders. You are fake news. <laughs> <laughs> that's some fake stuff there. We don't like chicken tenders. I like chicken. I like the bone. I like to suck the marrow out of it. All right. So in a statement, the beef? <laughs> in a statement sent by the East Baton Rouge Sheriff's Office, uh, three people notifi- uh, notified officers at, a, at about 11 p.m. that an employee had threatened them with a firearm. You know, <laughs> uh, so let me tell you, you know, this I don't understand. I, I'm telling you something is going on. In the, it's, it's like the natives are restless. Um, when, you know, 20, 2020, everyone's all cooped up, you know, and now we're, you know, we're out. It's like, ah, oh, I got to get all this built up energy and get it out of my body. And it's just, you know, people doing some crazy things. No. Like what? Crime. It's just, it's crazy. So deputies entered the restaurant, contacted the defendant, and found that the defendant holding a small bag with an extended magazine visible sticking out. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that was a, uh, is that a Wendy's bag? Officers took the defendant into custody and searched him, incidentally, to arrest. And during the Johnson's Jr. arrest, police found a gun and marijuana inside his bag. So he had a gun and marijuana in it. He said, look, you know, I'm here to protect myself and keep calm. Oops. <laughs> Officers later charged Johnson Jr. with carrying a gun in a firearm-free zone, uh, aggravated assault, and simply possession uh, of of marijuana. Um, Johnson Jr. has since been booked into the East Baton Rouge Parish Prison, uh, or jail there, I should say, and one victim stated she was engaged in a verbal argument with the manager when the defendant employee walked to the back and returned with the bag. Campus police were also notified about the alleged incident on, on its grounds. I tell you, yeah, you can't do that kind of stuff. You know, you just have to, you know, why don't you just ask people to leave once again? How do you solve this problem? Hey, leave. You don't leave. We're calling the police because that's criminal trespass. We've asked you to leave and you refuse to leave. It's simple as that. (laughs) You're going to go to jail. So they just need to call the police who we know know is not coming. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) They're not coming. That's right. (laughs) And then proceed to kick their butts on out once you tell them to leave. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yes. Yeah, I remember that story just a week or two ago about the woman who came into the Chipotle when they were closing. Which, she wanted a burrito, and they were like, sorry, we're closed. She whipped out her gun. Oh, they made that burrito. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, under duress, but they made it. <laughs> and she didn't pay either. And thank you. <laughs> thank you for making my burrito. Holla. Peace out. All right, so over in Houston, Texas, let's talk about Houston. But it's Houston is just off the. Ch- I would not you. I would not be caught dead in Houston. I'm telling you right now. I don't go through Houston. I don't go around Houston. If I have to go out east, you know, and I need to go to New Orleans, I'm gonna go. I'm going north to Dallas, cutting across Louisiana and coming down. I will not go through Houston. Well, it's flooded half the time anyway. Just a nasty, dirty city. <laughs> nasty, dirty town. That's right. Don't call me. Don't send me any tweets. No text messages. Don't send me any letters. But I'm me. from Houston. Yeah, well, it's a nasty, dirty town. I'm just telling you. Just letting you know. So over in Houston, let's talk about Houston. Um, it is ground zero for fake temporary license tags. You know that? No. Ground zero. So <laughs> temporary tags, are, it seems, are a permanent fixture around Houston, Texas. Everyone sees them, many flapping in the wind on the backs of cars in front of them. You know, it's just crazy all over the place. Hold on a sec here. I think my computer's like going nuts, going haywire. 
And so, oh no, where'd it go? Where'd it go? So some of them are not actually fake printed tags where someone's just making up the numbers, but they're getting them into the system right? Uh, illegitimately. Yeah, yeah, yes. And it's, it, you know, it happens around Austin a lot, you know, but Houston is like ground zero for it, um, where you just, there's everywhere, you know. The, the, I guess this is a way around getting an inspection. You know, you have to get an inspection done if you have a temporary plate. So You don't? No, you have a temporary license plate. What's the what's what's need for the inspection? You got time, right? No. Oh, maybe. Oh, don't you have time? No. I don't know. No, I thought you did. Don't ask me about this stuff. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to the wrong person. <laughs> he got the record. <laughs> uh, moving on. So, so uh, <laughs> other forgies take a, a more trained eye, like those of Travis County Precinct Three Constable. You know. They've seen some really weird things that, you know, people do a really good job of, you know, making a little counterfeit, you know, uh, temporary place there. So, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a crazy thing. Uh, something else I want to talk about is a student violence surges, they're saying, uh, and they're saying it's mental health, you know, all around the country. This is not just in Texas. This is all around the country where you have students, you know, who are having issues. Schools around the country are reporting that an increased in student violence, you know, and, and they're actually targeting teachers. Um, and I always go back to parenting when it comes to things like this. Uh, parents, you know, you, you, you were just dumping, parents are dumping their kids off at school and say, hey, you know, I got to work at nine to five, whatever you deal with it from nine to five, and then report back to me if there's an issue. You know, teachers are like, look, we have, I have multiple classes, multiple students, you know, it's hard for me to send an email and about every single student to a parent to tell the parent what's happening, you know, with their kid. You know, so they're, you know, they're saying, look, you know, you, you know, we're going to contact the administration. Administration will contact you, you know, and if it gets that bad, it's not up to the teacher, you know, to have to deal with certain things. You know, they shouldn't have to deal with, you know, all these crazy issues that they're having to deal with. Educators told, you know, they're saying that, hey, mental issues, issues um, are getting worse you know, after the pandemic, and one counselor said that students are showing symptoms of PTSD uh, with depression rates through the roof. Um, at a Florida middle school, 87 students have gotten in physical fights since school began last month. At an Illinois high school, 70 students have been suspended for violent altercations with the superintendent. At a New York high school, two students were cut during an altercation causing parents to demand more safety agents. At a Kentucky law school, a counselor said she has assessed 26 students ages 8 through 10 for suicide risk since May. You want to hear something really messed up? Go ahead. So in the under 18 category, when these kids are committing suicide, mm. 10% of them reference Instagram in their suicide note by name. Really? Mm -hmm. What do you mean reference? Like, like in somewhere in their suicide note is... They talk about Instagram. Something happened on Instagram or whatever. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. They reference the word Instagram in their suicide note. Mm. Yeah, social media is definitely a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, we, uh, one school said they had confiscated a gun from a 10-year-old in Broward County, Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach, you know, Fort, yeah, the Fort Lauderdale area. How in the world does a 10-year-old get a gun? 10-year-old. 10. 10. 10. 
How do you get a gun at 10 years old? Well, you talk about that story where uh, some guy came home every day and he set his gun up in the cabinet above the fridge. Mm -hmm. And then the little kid, how old was this kid? A little kid down in Houston. Like three or four or something? Little kid. People think that little kids can't pull the trigger. You'd be surprised. Yeah, so his dad puts the gun every day when he gets home above the fridge, way up high. Mm. And this little kid pulls a chair over, climbs on the cabinet, Opens the another cabinet, steps up on there, yeah. and gets the gun from above the fridge, right? Mm, and then mm. shot himself. Yeah, shot and killed himself. Mm-hmm. You can't hide guns from kids. You have to lock guns from kids. Yeah. That's how the 10-year-old gets the gun. Because they took it, found it from the parents that were hiding it. Uh, first, grader, first grader slapped a teacher in the face. Second grader slapped the teacher in the face. Middle schoolers corralled around the teacher and shoved her. Uh, Every single day, you know, they have all different types, all these crazy stories. On Friday, the nation's largest teachers union says social media has helped create a culture of fear and violence with educators as targets. In a letter addressed to Facebook, TikTok and Twitter that shared uh, that was shared with, the you know, with a lot of media outlets. Uh, Union leaders referenced the, uh, you know, they referenced TikTok. TikTok removed hashtags and content related to you know, some links. So a lot of crazy stuff. You're right. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. Uh, school staff members across the country told insiders they are seeing surges in student uh, outbursts from vandalism, verbal altercations to gun violence and slashing. You know, so this this is this all says parenting to me. Mm-hmm. We have a parenting problem in this country where parents are busy working or doing whatever, and they're not raising their kids. You know, they you, just don't care enough. Yeah, don't don't care. Yeah. Don't know what their kids are doing. You got to know what your child is doing. You got to, you know, watch them. That's, you know, that's why you have these different resources to, you know, check and see what they're doing. It's up to you, the parent. You know, parent your child. That's what you are. You're a parent. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so man, someone sent this to me. Um, so Robert Sandifer, Robert Sandifer, Robert Yummy Sandifer was an 11-year-old boy out of Chicago. 11-year-old black male from Chicago. Uh, Sandifer's murder by a fellow gang member in Chicago garnered national attention because this young man, he after committing murder, arson, armed robbery, he was murdered by his own fellow gang members who feared he could become an informant. 11 years old. 11. 11. Let's talk about his parents. Robert Sandifer was born in Chicago. Sandifer's mother, Lorena Sandifer, had over 30 arrests for while prostituting, many of which were drug-related. Sandifer's father, Robert Atkins, was absent throughout Sandifer's life due to incarceration for a felony gun charge. Sandifer was physically, uh, you know, abused from the time he was an infant. 11 years old. 11. Goes back to parenting. That's what I'm talking about. It's parenting. 
you know, you know, I I look at um a lot of apps, you know, uh, you have the Citizen app, you have the Ring app, you you know, you have all these different apps, and they show different little incidents that happen at three o'clock in the morning, three, four, five o'clock in the morning, and you look at these videos, and these are all teenagers that are committing these crimes at three, four, five o'clock in the morning. You know, at three o'clock in the morning, I'm just wondering, you know, where are the parents of these teenagers that are committing these crimes around the city at three, four, five o'clock in the morning? Parenting. That's the problem. And then when you shoot one of these little monsters, then the parents are all upset, you know, because you just shot their child. Well, you know what? You should your child should have been in the home, not out rummaging, robbing, stealing, committing crimes at three, four, five o'clock in the morning. Right? So a Texas man is suspected of committing two murders after being released on bond in a county run by a district attorney uh, here in, in that's been funded by George Soros, according to Fox News. Uh, documents obtained by Fox News shows that a 20-year-old uh, Deshaun Nicholson was arrested in 2019 for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and released in 2021 on surety bond. He allegedly committed two more murders after his release and then was arrested in September 2021. So, man, how do you do that? How do you kill someone? I guess you kill someone, you commit murder, you know, and then they let you out, and you're like, oh, man, that was too easy. That's all. (laughs) They didn't do anything. Man, I could do this again. I just had to stay overnight, get some free food. Let me just do it again. Shoot, there's no no accountability. I'll just do it one more time. Um, Records from the Travis County Sheriff's Office show that Nicholson was released from his custody on March 15, 2021, when he posted a bond of 75000 via quick out bail bonds and was set free without a, any bail conditions such as a GPS monitor or curfew. Court papers show that Nicholson is suspected of committing a murder in May, of, May 15, 2021, doing a dice game robbery. Uh, additional court papers show another murder warrant being issued for Nicholson related to a deadly shooting in Austin on June 23rd, 2021, when he allegedly shot a man seven times and killed him doing a botched drug deal in Austin, Texas. Man, crazy. How do you do this? How do you, you have three, he's got three murders under his belt and still kicking. Three murders. He's a decorated murderer. He's, yeah, he's got three stars. He's a lieutenant general, a lieutenant general, <laughs> lieutenant general crime right there. General crime, lieutenant general crime. He's trying to, he's trying to become a five-star general. Let me tell you, boy, boy, Travis County, uh, Travis County DA, you're doing a fine job down there. Keep up what you're doing. You're going to bring a lot of customers into the gun store. All right. So <laughs> let's go to, uh, uh, let's go to Copenhagen, Denmark, a man armed with a bow fired arrows at shoppers in a small Norwegian town Wednesday, killing five people before he was arrested, authorities say, with a bow and arrow. That was crazy. Silent killer. You don't need a gun. If you're dead set on killing people, you're dead set on causing, you know, mass casualties, you don't need a gun to do it. Yeah, that's silent, too. Very silent. Mm -hmm. Deadly. You don't even know what happened to you. Yep. A bow and arrow? Oh, my goodness. And a compound bow. When it shoots an arrow, it has kinetic energy about equal to a nine-millimeter bullet. Oh, my goodness. Silent, Uh deadly. Five people. He killed five. Silent. You don't need guns. Don't need a gun to to kill people. If you're dead set on doing something, you're dead set on doing it. So now they're going to outlaw bows, I bet. Yeah, well, you know, the man who carried out the act has been arrested by the police, and there is no active search for more people. 
based on the information they have, there is only one person behind this. And, uh, and so they got him in custody. That's crazy. That's in Denmark. Copenhagen. I would rather get shot by a bullet than hit with an arrow. I'd rather get shot than, than hit with a knife. Oh, or, yeah, that too. Or any, yeah, any type of you know knife, sword, anything. That's Man, that stuff, that will split your skin. It's nasty. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. Yeah. Um, over in Australia. Australia. Melbourne to bring an end to the world's longest lockdown. Woohoo! It's truly a prison colony again. Yes, they confiscated the firearms back in the late 90s, took away all their guns, and then in 2021, they I'm sorry, in 2020, they locked the entire country down, and finally, they got locked down in March of 2020. Here it is, October 2021, they're finally going to release the people. Yeah, I've seen Farrell's- all kinds of videos where if you are just walking around without a mask, Seven police officers will come and toss you to the ground and arrest you. That that city, Melbourne, that city has been locked down for 262 days. 262 days. That is insane. They've returned to their prison colony status. They confiscated the firearms and then kept they're holding the citizens hostage, locked in. Man, I, I never thought I would see something like this around, you know, things that happen around the world. Even in the United States, I never thought in the United States, you know, if you asked me about three years ago, Michael, you know, the the government can shut down the entire country, make everyone stay inside their house. I never would have believed that three years ago. No way. No. Even when a friend called me, a friend called me in February of 2020, he said, Michael, they're shutting it down. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, the country's getting ready to shut down in February. I'm like, no, no way. I don't, I, I can't report that. You know, I can't, you know, repeat that. You know, there's no, you know, you have no, you know, I can't even, you know, quote the source. I have no information. I can't, you know, back it up. I can't, you know, I can't go off of that. He said, trust me, they're shutting it down. And in March, just. Hi, Austin Mayor Steve Adler. You got a minute. (laughs) Just a couple weeks later, they shut it down. You know, I was in shock. He was dead right. You know, and, and, and look at Melbourne, Australia, 262 days. You know, and I'm thinking, what you know, what products do we get from Australia? <laughs> well, do we get crocodiles. No, we what, poisonous we, spiders. <laughs> we get we get something. You know what what thing? You know what products do we get from Australia? So whatever you get from Australia, they've been locked down for 262 days. Guess what? Those products have not been made. Oh, they export coal briquettes, mm-hmm. iron ore, aluminum oxide, mm. which is used about in, it. Yeah, really, coal. Cold. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just, you know, just think about that. You know what? And that, that goes for all other countries, you know, because we, we're, we set ourselves up to, you know, where we outsource so much now to other countries. You know, everything is imported into the United States. So many products are imported in. And if those countries have shut down, we're not getting those products or those parts or those pieces or whatever it is from those countries, then, you know, because they're shut down, then it's not coming in. Yeah, a bunch of shipping, uh, big old ships outside of uh, California. They're just anchored, waiting. Mm. Supposedly, there are these overpaid uh, crane operators. They get paid a quarter million dollars a year, and they're kind of lazing about and slowing down the whole process. Yeah. All right, so now I want to talk real quick about Jay Stark. 
All right, so the FGC9 creator, uh, Jay Stark, has passed away uh, after a police raid. You know, not, and I'm not, and I don't know what happened there. Yeah, his house got raided and they found nothing. No firearms. They found nothing illegal at all. Really? They didn't find any guns? Nothing. Oh, he was good. He was very good at what he did. Mm-hmm. He hit his stuff. And he has a whole network. He told you in the video, he said, look, you know, I got a net, I have a network of friends, you know, all around the world. Um, you know, they try to vet people as much as possible. And they keep things very secret. And he said, you know, you may be able to get one, you know, but you're not going to be able to get them all. And one person is not the group or the organization. You know, if one person falls, the next person would pick up the baton and continue on is what he said. And, you know, he said some key things, you know, about, you know, how he got to where he was today. You know, and, 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 and this, you know, man, FGC9 creator, man, I, I, it, it's crazy. So they raided his house, found nothing, and then he just drops dead. Mm. This healthy young guy drops dead. So either they did it. Oh, he did it. He committed suicide. He had a he had a plan for it. He dropped dead. People talk about it, but they're not about it. About it. <laughs> you know, a lot of people talk. You know, I, I, there are a lot of commentators who get on and talk about the Second Amendment, how we need to stand up for the Second Amendment, but then they never ever stand up for the Second Amendment. You know, there are attorneys that talk about all this stuff. You know, and you know them. They say, "I'm gonna," I, you know, they're law for, uh, They're an attorney, and they talk about you know defending the Second Amendment, but they never filed any cases to defend the Second Amendment. You have to ask yourself that, as always. More guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.